The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com. In 2021, we had 22 million people nationwide who earned between $1 million and $25 million. Imagine being able to tap into that pool for mortgages. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Jennifer Smith. She's a principal with Stratmore Group. And she's got some tips on how to build up a stream of high net worth borrowers. Jennifer, thanks for joining me. Well, Mike, glad to be here. So uh, I just found it interesting, your your tips on sort of working with uh, high wealth uh, potential home buyers. Um, I guess just starting off, um, you know, tell me about how you, you know, you, you, you provide tips on how to sort of get in with this clientele. Um, how is it different than finding other kinds of customer bases? I think the main differentiation is when you're working with the high net worth client, you can certainly find them just like you would with some of your other client bases, like your realtors or whatnot. However, you know, the, the, the model that I think a lot of LOs are missing out on is partnering with the either private, uh, private client advisory team or wealth management team. And that that's where we're really, you've got an opportunity to get into a focus group of those high net worth clients where you're going to have a steady pipeline. You're going to have, you know, in general, very good credit, very easy, um, you know, uh, approvals, but perhaps you're just not, um, you haven't been well connected with them. So I think the difference, <laughs> the difference is, you know, if you're not in a bank, we, you know, we certainly know lots of LOs that are connected with banks, um, depending on the size of that bank, they may have a wealth management arm or a private banking arm. And those are ones where you you have probably an easier time uh, tapping into that because they're, they're inside your company. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those private bankers and your employer want to be using an in-house person. So I think there's opportunity to go around. And why is that? I mean, you make that point in your your um, recommendations that they may not necessarily stick in-house. Is there a reason? Is there a reason that they intentionally go out of house or is there just sort of a disconnect between one arm and the other? No, well, I think it depends on the firm. Certainly there can be a disconnect between one arm and the other. Um, and it depends on the size of the firm. Some of your larger firms, those private uh, bankers or wealth managers really don't have a choice. They have to use somebody in-house. And a lot of times they'll have somebody assigned to their team that they trust, they work with, they're part of that advisory team. Those that you see that don't want to work with somebody in-house um, or who may just hunt to an outsource because <laughs> just like your LOs, they're not immune to being recruited away. So if you have a, a wealth manager, they're managing a portfolio of clients day to day. They are not immune from getting recruited by other wealth management firms. And if their clients have more hooks in them from a from a different firm, it's harder to extract them. So that's one reason. Another reason that we hear most often is they the mortgage process can be so fraught with challenges. We all know that. You know, you've got 
um, from processing, you've got an appraisal that comes in weird, or you've got, you know, documentations requested often, that process is so painful for a wealth client that they will take it out on that wealth advisor. And so the, the wealth manager or that private advisor does not want to be associated with that mortgage process, wants to be able to have some sort of, you know, detachment and plausible deniability for that process. <laughs> That wasn't my fault. That wasn't my fault. That was, yeah. Right. But, but I, I mean, at the same time, I'm sure they want to work with somebody that um, they can trust. Hey, yeah, it's a difficult process, but that person knows what they're doing and they'll get it done. They don't want somebody yes. who's going to mess it up and then, well, it wasn't my fault. So how do you build exactly. trust with, with those advisors and or those managers? You know, I think it's, it goes back to Wallace execution. If they're ever, yeah, like I'm finding the article, like if there ever is a time that you have to be perfect in what you're doing, it's with these clients, especially when you're establishing that relationship with the wealth advisor. Um, two or three loans on your belt, even if it doesn't matter how tricky they are, you get them through with almost no pain for that client and you will have a referral partner um, that's going to just keep sending you items, um, sending you loan after loan. And I will tell you, they're probably going to send you something that's not their best client at first, but it might be something that's pretty tricky. So you really need to be able to knock it out of the park. And if I've been doing sort of run of the mill, uh, the average home buyer, what do I need to keep in mind when I'm working with these high net uh, income earners uh, or, or high net wealth? You know, obviously you point out, you know, they've got good credit and and you would ha- they have money. But are there loan processes, to your point, are they complicated in a different way, maybe because of the way they're making their money that, you know, this isn't, you know, the typical two income family who just has regular jobs and W-2s? Right. This is, these are typically not going to be your W-2 folks. These are not even just your signs. You're not kidding. These are going to be K-1s. You're going to have people who have very complex um, types of income structure based on uh, corporate ownership. A lot of times you're going to see folks who also have their commercial banking relationships, the companies they own with the same firm. Um, So you may end up seeing some very intricate types of underwriting where you're leveraging some of those commercial balance sheets. Uh, So it it can get very exotic very quickly, but that should be, and and that those types of ones that are really more, um, you know, very delicate to work with, you definitely don't want to be having your normal underwriting and fulfillment teams handling those that that takes a level of expertise that um, that is really warranted. So more than just having someone who knows their gabby, you need someone who really knows how to handle some complicated income. So if I'm going to make a run at this, I need to make sure it's not just me; it's my team that's ready to take on right. this new challenge. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because you getting it through is great, but then I think as every LO knows, the clients are really upset with what the LO does. They're usually upset with what's happening. <laughs> the fulfillment process. Uh, So that's really, but being the face of that interaction, um, you need to be able to trust the team that's supporting you to get that loan through. And, you know, it, you know, I want to make sure my team is ready because I would imagine if I have a bad experience, I can't just go back to a a wealth manager, you know, six months later and be like, "I, I got a new underwriter. I mean, you probably only get one or two shots at this, right? You might get one. Yeah. If you're lucky to like, you know, if it's your you know, if it's your nephew, you might get to. <laughs> so say say I'm lucky enough to to land an opportunity like this, um, and and I have a, a a high net wealth borrower. 
Um, what what do I need to do to to sort of set the table for them too? So they're not going back to their manager or their advisor and saying, What what did you what did you set me up with here? That they know what to expect. What should I lay out for them about the mortgage process that you know they they know what they're getting into and and I'm not oversetting their expectations? I think it's a really great question, Mike, that not enough people ask. And I think that's that's honestly true of any borrower, but especially with someone who is, um, you know, a, a wealthy borrower. The first step, this is probably going to be different for most people, is you really want to make sure that that person referring you, that private banker or that wealth manager, you, you understand what they want you to do with the client. So you are really taking a second seat in that communication process. If that wealth manager says, hey, I want you to talk to them all the time, great. A lot of times you're gonna see, I want you to have as little contact with my client as possible. If you have a problem, I need you to come to me and as a private banker and I'm gonna have that conversation. So really understanding, and that could be different depending on your referral source. You could have two different private bankers in the same office who have very different communications that they wanna have with their clients. So that's something to really bear in mind. So start by setting the table there. How do you want me to interact, Mike, with your client? You know, I'm here to to provide excellent mortgage experience for them. How do you want me to communicate with them? And then setting that if they want you to set that table, um, then you go ahead and say, look, I'm, you know, uh, this is how I'm going to communicate with you. Here's when you're going to communicate with Mike. If you have any issues, you know, come to me. But you want to lay out what to expect. But that expectation should be brief. It should be concise. And if there's one thing to take away, do not ask them for documentation more than once. If you somehow have misplaced their W-2 or their 1099, find it from the private bank or find it from somebody else. Like you do not want to have to keep going back to that borrower because they just don't want to be bothered. Absolutely. (laughs) How, how much, um, how much volume can we get? I'm sure it varies very much from, from who we're talking about in part based on their own customer base and the size of it. But I mean, are we talking a mortgage a month? Is is there a steady stream where you can be doing a lot of these? I mean, what can we expect? And is it the kind, if I'm not doing this now, is it worth putting in the time to build out my team and get the expertise to do this? I think, you know, to your point, it's going to depend a lot on the geography, but it's also going to depend on um, you know, who you're partnering with, there is definitely a steady stream, definitely, you know, depending on if you are with a couple different wealth managers, you're looking at probably one a month from each of them. Um, but do bear in mind, the dollar amounts are very different. So your units may be smaller, but your if you're especially being paid on BIPs, it's much higher um, because you're getting more for your for your money. Uh, the the challenge I think to understand is if you are not in this space already, that's that's not an obstacle per se, but making sure that it's something you want to take on, it's something you're going to focus on, um, is is going to be the key. It's not something you're going to enter into and then you know a couple of months later go, you know what, forget it. But there is tons of opportunity. These 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 types of clients are really um, not as rate sensitive as the average borrower. Uh, most of the time they are looking at this as a short-term piece. It's something that they are using as part of a strategic financial portfolio play. So they are not, you know, worried about necessarily the five versus six percent. They're going to pay these loans off pretty quickly, um, for your first or second properties. And you're going to see a lot more of not just jumbo, but um things like interest-only loans, things that you know we saw a lot of. I think more broadly back in the early 2000s, you still see those very commonly for your high net worth because they're 
they're leveraging their liquidity in the market instead. So they don't need the mortgage because they need the money. They want the mortgage so that they're being used better in a different way, earning them more money. And how do you how do you make a connection with these advisors or these managers? Um, you know, obviously you can just try to cold call them and be like, hey, I do mortgages, but I'm guessing that's not gonna go very far because they've probably been pitched and no. they, they've probably built a relationship. So how do you go about sort of maybe getting in it and being like, just just give me one and, and let's see what we can do? Yeah, I I def I do not I do not recommend cold call <laughs> at all. I think, you know. Some, there are some very creative ways to do it. So if you're not part of a financial institution that say already has this type of arm, um, you know, you could reach out to your local wealth managers. You can go to some of their events, you know, think about having some sort of um, shared experience. And by that, I mean, you'll see a lot of folks who work in high net worth in philanthropic endeavors, working on certain types of um, events like that. So finding ways where you can interact is going to be key to make it a little bit more organic. Um, I also would recommend if you are part of a financial institution or if you're, you know, people in the, in those wealth management areas, you know, really just reminding them, Hey, I can do your mortgage. I do have this experience. I do have this sort of high touch, um, a personality when I'm working with my borrowers, you know, I think that that's probably the best way demonstrating that you have the, and the professionalism to work with their clients is going to go a long way. And then to the other end of it, you know, it, we 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 work for the same bank, but you tend to prefer to go out of house for your for your mortgage writing. Do 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 we see a lot of success going? Hey, man, we're on the same team. Why don't we Why don't we help each other out? Or is it kind of like, well, that person just doesn't want to do it? So just I think yeah, that's that's a challenge. I think you you know. It's going to be less. I think about being on the same team unless it's really mandated from the. T- of the organization, but more about I can, you know, understanding, sympathizing. I understand your your hesitation to work in-house. I understand your concerns because, you know, make it up. Our our fulfillment hasn't been the best or the smoothest in the past. You know, demonstrating like I have a separate team or, you know, we have this separate path that we can take it through. I've I can give you some satisfaction scores to show you that I can do this. That I think would go a little bit farther than necessarily um the, hey, we all are on the same team card. Sure. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? You know, I, I think that this is knowing that we have so many people who actually fit into this population is it was a bit of a shock for some of our readers, you know, knowing that you've got, I mean, even the, the just the 1 million and above, you're looking at you know, multiple million people in this country that are eligible. So there is a huge opportunity, um, even in above in net worth is 6% of the country. So don't think that you don't have this opportunity, especially knowing that we have some lower volumes right now. There's a great, great play out there and partnering with these wealth managers and the private bankers can really pay off. Right. Especially as you said, it's, you know, you may not get a lot of them, but the numbers are a lot bigger. So you're going to get, you know, a bang for your buck as you're waiting for the volume to to pick yeah. back. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is it is very lucrative. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. The Originator Connect Network, the nation's largest producer of mortgage events, is about fostering a community founded on professionalism, collaboration, and personal and professional growth, connecting you to the story of your success.
This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.